Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 157, Writing Religions Respectfully, presented by Julia Ellingbo, Jess Banks, and Lyell. We're going to talk about religion and games. Yay! Yay! All right. Should we just introduce ourselves? First? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, my name is Julia Ellingbow. I write games. Um, during the day, I am a human resources manager at a social justice nonprofit. Sweet. Um, I'm Jess Banks, and I uh, do freelance and work for um, Atlas Games uh, as the day job. And um, before I started working in games, I taught uh, I taught college mostly um, early medieval Christianity and world religions for like 15 years. Sounds about right. Yeah. Hi, I'm Lyell, and uh, I have no kind of academic or professional credentials, but uh, I, I did have a weird upbringing, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, show of hands, okay? Like, let's all be honest here. Yeah. Yeah, Shoshana uh, cannot make it. Okay. 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 Um, so, oh, I forgot. To, I, have, I have a bachelor's degree in religion. I always forget to say that. <laughs> oh, that. There's that. Yeah. Um, so, I had pitched this panel. I guess we pitched. Did you pitch a religion panel, too? I don't know that I did. But I think I glommed on really fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so I pitched this panel. I get a little backstory. Um, has anyone ever read Habibi, a graphic novel? Yes, yes, so good. Yeah, yeah. So I, I couldn't finish it. Um, there were parts of it that I absolutely loved, and there were parts of it that just felt like it was somebody with really very little understanding of not just the theology but the practice practice of Islam mm. um, sort of making this beautiful hot mess of a story. Mm. Some of the, the other pieces that, that really bothered me were that the villains were all hook-nosed looking Arabs um, and um, so I felt like he was really playing into some stereotypes that sometimes we don't, that, that, that have come to be so pervasive that I think we assume that they're true and that we don't notice them. He was also using a style of art that, um, well, Charlie Hebdo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the characters, a lot of the characters look like, like some of the, the caricatures that you see of Muslims uh, in Charlie Hebdo. Um, so, so because I really liked that, I liked it, and I just couldn't finish it. I kept thinking, well, gee, you know, I don't know if I could really do 
another religion that I don't really understand any better, even though I studied religion in college. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, the elements of, of co-opting a religion for your game, making up a religion in your game, um, and uh, how not to upset people. <laughs> and I wasn't upset, but how not to, um, how to be inclusive and if you are expressing an opinion about a particular faith, make sure that it's, you are really expressing that opinion and not expressing it as the truth of a particular faith. Yeah, like a singular truth. Right, right. Um, cool. Yeah. So yeah. why why are you interested in talking about this? Um, so again, I think representation is really important. Um, uh, I, I think that um, seeing yourself in fiction or game or anything like that is the most humanizing experience anybody can have um, because it is a reflection. It's like a reflection for the first time. I'm like, oh my God, this, is, this could be me in here. Um, and you want that to be right, <laughs> if possible, especially with something as, um, as an essential and integral part of the identity for people who um, find a, a great deal of meaning in religion. Um, and also the fact that um, if a lot of people with their settings, especially fantasy settings of some kind, um, want to invent a religion or a series of religions for their worlds, you know, clerics, blah, 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 and everything. But far and away, the vast majority of those people who are inventing are filing off the serial numbers from existing religions and maybe changing up a couple of, like, what if it was like this? Um, and... Uh, and that's a way that people think they can get out of research and awareness um, and that that's not a great, uh, not a great practice um, just because, you know, you're saying you're inventing it, but you can't get away without research if you, and talking to people um, if you're going to import any of those parts of something uh, from another existing, like, real world religion. Well, um, my position is that I was born and raised in an Armageddon cult, so my perspective there is that uh, a lot of times when people are, you know, particularly, you know, fictionalizing religion, um, so many games and fiction, so much fiction has the, the cultists, mm. you know, there's always these, there's just a whole series of stereotypes about that that have absolutely nothing to do with reality um and you know i will say my experience was a bad one but we weren't like dagger wielding you know sacrificial something or others no i mean you know like the the nature of these things is usually they're a sort of countercultural movement when you have these uh properly termed new religious movements and um you know, they're going to have a lot of elements from the culture they originated from with a few key changes, right? There's not going to be just these people exist somehow completely antithetical to life and society. <laughs> so. What cool. is an Armageddon cult? 
Oh, uh, it, you know, an, an end times cult. Uh, so the one I was raised in was from a, it was founded by a former Jehovah's Witness. So it takes a lot of that perspective, but, you know, he had some disagreements with the Jehovah's Witnesses and started his own thing. Um, so he claimed to be a prophet and he was going to lead us through the end times. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So, uh, should we start? We've got our... Well, um, what do you wish? <laughs> yes, what do you want to What do you about? wish, um, you know, when you see religion represented uh, in fiction or games? What, um, what do you think, oh, if only they had done this thing like in in preparing this in creating this and whatever like what's the like oh why didn't you thing for you yeah um hmm can I give some examples um so one of them is um uh talk to people <laughs> yeah um like yes you have read six books about this thing um but that is not a, like there is no singular view of a, a thing or like one person's experience is representative of everyone's experience. Um, and so like Googling is not a substitute for talking to people about real lived experience. Um, I think that's probably the main thing that I see, um, uh, especially, um, especially uh, n like non-traditional Western, religions and that's most of the rest of the world um which is awesome great and uh and then also as a wiccan sometimes we get some weirdness in there um but uh yeah like seriously just talk to one person before you publish this it's also a good way to avoid plagiarism <laughs> incidentally because people if you read a bunch of sources uh, you lose track of your words and their words and um, and especially if you don't feel comfortable with what you've learned it's just so much easier to take somebody else's writing and and put that in there and unfortunately we've um, I worked on books where we had to create a new edition of that book because we had to take out a third of it because it had been plagiarized uh, which was bad. It's not like there aren't Jewish people to talk to. So uh, that was bad and sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm at on that. That's what I wish. I, just talk to people. Um, it, it has to be more than two people, I think. <laughs> so um, I have a question for, for y'all. Um, can somebody give me an example of, uh, we'll start with, um, made up religion of, of a setting that has a made up religion that you thought was really done very well, respectfully. And then there's a follow up to that question. Was it modeled after, uh, an actual religion that you could tell? Church, but the serial numbers filed off. 
Mm -hmm. to, and that's what it reminded me of at any rate. I thought it was convincing in the sense of of there were varying, there were definitely varying practices, and and the way that people actually practiced it was maybe different than the way that the, the higher ups told them that they should be practicing it. Uh, and then there was a Reformation movement at some point in the narrative that I lost track of. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, the, uh, example. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That was a good one. Anyone else? So I'd like to ask the flip side of that. Sorry. Mm. Just while you're thinking about it. Anyone? That's fine. So, uh, I guess, like, the conventional religion, the, like, an aspect of, or the, like, an aspect of was done well. Um, so the, um, whenever I attempt D&D, um, the, the model of religion is always, like, it's another splat you can pick. Um, and this seems to be, like, a really compelling mm, way to present religion to gamers, because gamers love picking what vampire clan they're in, what race they are. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's this, uh, this tableau of, like, independent, like, maybe related to each other, maybe not, pantheon of gods that you can pick from in, like, a D&D, like, fantasy-alike, and sometimes they throw, like, an obscure real god in there, like, the lady, and then, like, usually the others are, um, usually the others are some kind of caricature, so I wouldn't actually say they're good, but the whole splat picking aspect yeah. seems to be compelling in a way that we can't get rid of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and definitely just, like, it isn't so much like who is this deity, it's what can this deity do for me. Yeah. Um, I'll talk in a second about my um, toaster theory of uh, religion, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, uh, if you're familiar with it, uh, I think White Wolf did a, a series called Scion, which mm. um, the whole point was that all of the player characters are half-gods that have either a, a patron above them or, mm -hmm. or a, a father or mother figure that is a god, um, and you can actually choose from any of the regular pantheons, and mm. they pulled from some further out, uh, not normally viewed as necessarily religions. Uh, they had an entire pantheon for voodoo with mm -hmm. elder spirits and whatnot. I'm not sure how much of that was actually drawn from real context or just kind of made up based on <laughs> stories. Keep going, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going, I'm so sorry. Um, but it was, it, was, it was a series I thought was very interesting the way they were portrayed because um, you know, one of the main mechanics was that if you did something really godly in front of a lot of people, they would start worshiping you, and that had both good and bad implications. Right, it. right. I'm dying of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> Before anybody tells... It's about you. <laughs> no! You knew it. All right, there we That's go. a second panel today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I wanted to ask if you had an example where someone, it could be any media, it could be a game, it could be anything, um, except you can't mention Habibi because I already mentioned it, um, that, that, did it, that missed the mark. Either missed the mark or just really missed the mark. Well, anything in between. So 
so many levels. I know, so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, like, in, I got your leg. That's okay. Oh, okay. About, like, so, showing a religion? Yeah, yeah. That, that either either in a, in a made-up religion, I think we started with just a made-up religion that uh, maybe modeled after another actual religion, um, whether they got it, <laughs> whether they, if they, if they got it wrong, if they messed up. Oh, okay, so I will give you the example that I started with was Habibi, um, the graphic novel, Craig Thompson. As a Muslim, I loved it until I got about a quarter of the way through and I couldn't read it anymore um, because of, and it wasn't just the religion part, it was how he was characterizing um, Arabs. And, um, and there were parts of even the religion part that I was like, that's really, really cool. But it was, he was writing it so clearly through a Christian lens that it was very hard to read as a Muslim. This isn't a, a game specific thing, but um, the portrayal of people who are like who in the game are um, devotees or whatever, the idea that they're always presented as fanatics who view their whole world and everything they do through that one lens, like there's no identity but that identity mm-hmm. anymore. And I this I can't I can't count the number of games out there that that's like oh you you know, or you're a worshiper of this, or you're a cleric of this person. Like, that is it. That's all that you need to know about that person at that point. And sometimes that decision is just based on, like, well, you know, uh, what can this God do for me? Can I tell the toaster analogy? Yeah. Okay. So one of the two courses I taught was about, um, had its basis in, uh, like, imperial Roman history, right? And the Romans thought very differently about about gods and divine powers than everybody who came after them and even some who came before them. But their idea was that um, <clears throat> that gods were worth worshiping if they were useful. And so uh, if you know, like somebody's stock goes down if like you've had a couple of uh, misses uh, in battle recently, then, uh, you know, people might start feeling like, oh, maybe I don't need to donate to Mars's temple for a little while until he gets his act together. Um, And then sometimes in specific cases, uh, they will say, well, obviously this god of war is not working for us. So we are going to scan the area and take polls and things like that and say, well, who's really working for you? And then they will import that god. Um, the Romans specifically did this. They were, uh, they were fighting and it wasn't going well. And somebody said, oh, well, like Kibele over in Turkey um, uh, is really excellent. And so they literally imported the big basalt lump of basalt that was her objectification and they were like do you mind if we take this and so so they brought it over with great great fanfare and everything like that what they accidentally picked up with it was uh, a rather fanatical group of devotees who did appalling things by the roman lights but um like just self-castration and things like that 
Um, so what I always thought was like, it's a piece of technology. To the Romans, religion is technology. You have a toaster. You love your toaster. It is the shiniest toaster. It makes golden, perfect toast every single time, right? But your toaster cannot do it all. If your toaster breaks, you need a new toaster. It may not be an identical copy of that toaster. Uh, and, and then you obviously realize that toast cannot keep your uh, leftovers cold. And so a new piece of technology with certain powers must be brought into the fray. And it doesn't lessen the toaster's importance or quality. It's just simply another thing that you need. So anyway, so that's my technology appliance. <laughs> I worked on this for a lot of years, so. <laughs> I suppose it makes more sense in like a 16 week course than it does right here. Yeah. I gotta use that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do we apply that to games? Um, like, or do you have any ideas? Because I can think of maybe one or two. So for so but, for me, the way this shows up in that um, that you you pick a god by what that god can do for you. Right. And so be like, oh well, this one has um, spell slots in um, you know in illusion and uh, stealth and hiddenness, and I'm a rogue and uh, you know make some money smuggling on the side. So obviously this is the god I should choose. Um, so it really is like you know it's the appliance that's most useful, the tool that's most useful to your character. Are there any other cultures that you know of that have done this? Or even like, I mean, there are there are a lot of pantheistic or polytheistic, I should say, um, polytheistic cultures that um, very much single spots mm -hmm. for sort of a range, and the saints are organized the same way too with patronage. Um, although there's frequently overlap and stuff like that, but um, you know, the, the fact that there are patron saints for things is not an originally Catholic idea. You know, obviously, um, it. Some of them are syncretized from pagan religion and just like glommed into the new framework. Um, and other ones fill needs that arise. Um, you know, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> right, like, no, that's okay. Like, Saint Isidore of Seville became the, uh, the patron saint of uh, librarians and encyclopedias because what he did with his life was he wrote this massive encyclopedia which was pretty good for a dude in that time period right. um, and so he was sort of like so he becomes sort of the the icon of that particular thing yeah I, I feel like oftentimes gods have domain over something that humans can't control mm. like mm -hmm. um you know, I, I want to make sure that I can get enough food by hunting, so, but I can't necessarily control whether I'm going to be able to do that. So to make myself, to make it easier for me to deal with that problem, I'm going to worship a god who can control that and try to you know, appease them or sacrifice to them mm -hmm. to get what I need. Yeah. Or like, you know, I can't control whether I'm going to die in a war or I can't control who I'm going to fall in love with. Right. Think so. of, I mean, think of the gods. Uh, there's God of thunder. There's a God of the river. You pray so it doesn't flood you out. 
um, you know, a lot of religious figures and ideas, theological ideas come out of like, I am not, I am powerless to control this thing. I do, I cannot explain it. And so the search for an answer and control yield up holy figures of one kind or another. Or if you really need something like a god, fertility goddess. Yes. Yeah. So we need this well-maintained and always happening. So we're going to make sure we got a god for it. Yeah. And that it changes depending on where you are, right? So, like one of my one of my areas of study was Saint Bridget, um, who's a super weird Irish saint. Um, I love her; she's great. Um, but when she moves around on the European continent, like people import her for their own reasons, and um, she's home and hearth and fertility and beer and other things like that, like you need in Ireland, and um, but. By the time she gets to Switzerland, one of she's the patron saint of poultry. And to this day, I cannot explain this thing. But normally, in you know, in the Irish icons and stuff, her cloak, which was very like a really integral piece, would be draped around you know children or a cow or something that was really important to their notion of of health and wealth and safety. Um, but no, like chickens and geese under her cloak in Switzerland. I don't know why. Um, so I guess you, I'm saying you adapt these things uh, to fit whatever your version of those needs are. Yeah. Do you want something? Hmm? Do you want to add something? I don't know if I have a lot to add. I mean, um, yeah, obviously that's it's one of the things that a lot of people overlook, particularly if they're like, rubbing the serial numbers off of a, an existing religion is they might be like oh let's tweak it in this way for my setting and but a lot of times when people use some sort of religious element in uh, games and fiction they're just like often it's aesthetic or you know maybe there's some particular thing they want to talk about but the, they don't pay attention to like does this religion actually fit and it has mm. to fit to some point to actually exist to be perpetuated yeah. by people you know it's going to be you know whatever existing beliefs are always going to be interpreted by an existing generation of people um through whatever political environmental situations they're going through and you know but people don't tend to think of that they just think well, here's a religion. Religion doesn't make any sense anyway, so I'm just going to tweak it this way. And <laughs> but, yeah. but or the reality is it, it has meaning to people and it has usefulness to people, it has utility to people. Or yeah. in the filing the serial numbers off, you take out some, you know, like it's like this, but without this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Islam without the Hajj. You're like, well, okay, let's talk about what that does to the whole structure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of, that's backwards engineering. You have to know why a hodge in the first place yeah. um, or uh, so um, there's a teacher at um, one of my kids high school um, she doesn't go there anymore uh, who started talking about was giving the kids uh, some sort of history lesson about religion and um, started talking about the the, the similarities of Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, and never, ever, 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 ever once mentioned Abraham. Wow. <laughs> and, and was saying, they have all these things in common, but like, Abraham? Who's Abraham? Does everybody know who Abraham is? And why are they? Okay, thank you. All right. I just wanted to make sure. I didn't want to assume, because when I told this to one of my kids, they were like, who's Abraham? 
So <laughs> oh, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Yeah. Come on. Um, but but to that point, I mean, religions file the serial numbers off of religions all the time to answer the questions more fully to meet their needs. So if you want to if you have the if you want to have a religion in your in your game, look at how other religions have either appropriated some other faith or when they came to an area how they sort of seeped into the culture so for example um, Catholicism and voodoo Catholicism and Santa Via um, Islam and Judaism Islam and Christianity mm -hmm. um, Abrahamic faiths so um, Another example, if you're thinking about, all right, so you've got a religion that's maybe spreading across the world, and you want this to be like, you know, the dominant religion, um, without casting aspersions on the people who practice it uh, yet, unless that's part of, you know, if you want to make them villains, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Right, sorry, go ahead. I backtracked my example. So, um, you know, it was Yom Kippur uh, a while back, but did you know that Rosh Hashanah? And uh, Muharram, which is the first month of the Islamic calendar, um, coincided this year for the yes. first time in, in a while, and, and the next time they will coincide in 2049. So, um, so we've got the both, both New Year's, but then 10 days later you have Yom Kippur, mm -hmm. and you also have the Day of Ashura. And even though the Day of Ashura, um, and I don't, doesn't really even matter what it is, but I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, so depending on whether you're a Sunni or a Shiite. You know, the day of Shura might be this really, really big thing, or it might just be this day that you kind of fast and you just go about your business. Um, the day of Ashura, 10th day in the month of Muharram, was directly influenced by Yom Kippur. So when the prophet got to Medina, he saw, he got there around Muharram, and saw um, the Jewish people who were in the Arabian Peninsula, as we often forget, but we're there, um, practicing Yom Kippur and um, fasting and remembering and atoning, atoning, and um, and the Prophet was like, "That's really cool. <laughs> I like that." All right, so I'm being a bad Muslim right now, and I, I tend to do this when I tell stories about the Prophet. I tell them in a jokey way that people might understand. So, <laughs> God forgive me. Um, so he's like, that's really awesome. I, I, I think we should do that. We should totally do that. We, we have a lot of things to atone for you. We have a lot of things to think about. Um, I want to put my own slant on it because I don't really, I, you know, we're trying to set ourselves apart from, from, from the Christians and the Jews, and we're trying to do our own thing here. So we're not going to call it Yom Kippur. We're going to call it Ashura. Yay. Um, and so now a lot of Muslims do fast on, on Ashura. And, and then, after the prophet passed away, it had another meeting attached to it because um, of the great schism between uh, the Sunnis and the Shiites, because one group wanted Ali to be the, the successor in the caliphate, and the prophet didn't leave a will or, or any instructions on what to do with this religion that he had created after he died. Um, so we were kind of left our own devices, see how good that's turned out. Um, and so, so there was this big schism, and um, the prophet's grandson was killed. He was supposed to be, some people thought he should be the next 
uh, caliphate, um, caliph, and so the Shiites took their toys, went elsewhere, and the Sunnis yeah. kept on keeping on. But it's still like Yom Kippur flavored fasting. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Is anything really flavored fasting? Yes. <laughs> totally. Oh, it shouldn't be. There should be no flavors remotely. Yeah. If you're doing it right. Yeah. Sorry, that was a really was a large one. digression. Thank you. Yeah, I think we. Uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, so yeah, so filing the serial numbers, like I don't have a huge problem with that because we do it anyway. As human human beings, we we do that. We we appropriate things. But if you're going to appropriate something, or or the, the the culture that you're writing about is going to appropriate something, give it a reason. Like, don't make it be like, well, I, I couldn't think of anything else, and so I thought, well, the Buddha was a really cool guy, and so uh, you know, it's the duba. Um, <laughs> instead, who who are your people? What questions do they need answers answered? Um, what are their what are their traditions? What why do they want to set themselves apart? Do they want to set themselves apart? So the reason that that one of the reasons that women wear hijab in Islam uh, is because the Prophet said, "Well, when you go out, just throw something over so you, so they know not to bother you," and and. But there are also other reasons. It's not so much the modesty thing, and, and I don't think that my personal dress protects me from anything. But, it, you know. Sunburn. It's sunburn. Yes, my hijab is a great fuck you to the, <laughs> to the religious right. Um, but, so, yeah, figure out a reason. Like, it, it, to me, it often doesn't make sense why you're going to cover yourself completely if you're in 105 degree weather. There's a reason. It's just so we could set ourselves apart from, from other people. And, and also because Muslims, early Muslims, were harassed constantly. I mean, the prophet was run out of Mecca. Yeah. Came back victorious, but did get kicked out of town. I want to also throw a flip side on this. Um, and that is that uh, if you don't, also, like, so there are people who, who find religion extraneous, not helpful, not have contributed anything to humanity, you know, like whatever attitude you may find. And so they don't want to explicitly include religion per se in their games, but they need a placeholder. And so what they say instead is this is all mythology. And in truth, there's a little bit to that, but um, for, for players, for readers, whatever, for whom there is great meaning in religion, to see their beliefs and their holy things represented as, represented as, as mythology, you know, that is on par with dragons and, you know, other mythological things. Um, that's incredibly, I mean, that's a, that's a real risk to take because, um, that's not just uh, that's not just erasing the origins of, of what it is that is signaling to a player uh, that um, that somebody has no respect for the religious context of their beliefs if they're just representing them as as pure fiction, um, and that is uh, very invalidating. Um, it's it's a great way to lose players. It's a great way to cause conflicts in your gaming group. It's, it's all of those things, um, of a level, like you don't want to, 
you don't want to invalidate anybody for anything, right? If you're going to have a, a super welcoming table in, in X, Y, and Z ways, um, but you're going to ridicule religion the whole time you're at the table, unless you super know your audience, maybe don't do that. And even then, maybe don't do that. Because um, you just don't know a person's history and you don't know where that registers for them, you know? Um, I don't, does that actually make sense? Did that, like, was that a sentence with words and made sense? <laughs> okay. You're frowning, Clark. No, um. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was asking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. See, invalidating. No, it's a, it, to paraphrase, it, you don't have to accept it as truth yourself to give it respect. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Julia, you wrote something on the board here. Mm -hmm. that I'm curious. If, was that? Did that? Oh, get, yes. Oh, okay. oh, so how how can you tell? Oh, can you tell if they got it right? Um, someone had, had said that they weren't sure if something was right about a religion. And um, so it got me thinking, and so I wanted to come back to it. Um, so when I was thinking about this panel, I started, it wasn't, I started watching a lot of Supernatural. It was mostly because one of my kids was watching it. Um, so when I first started watching the show when it first came out, I really loved it as somebody who had studied religion in college and thought it was a good idea to get a degree in it. Um, because I, I, I don't, I don't want to say that they got it right, because I, I honestly don't always know, but they co-opt things in a really funny way sometimes. And they do this very smart thing that can, can work to a point, but I think a very long point, that there are times when they, nobody knows shit, and that is okay. So, um, so there was this one particular episode we were watching that had a golem in it, and it was the, the um, so there are the men of letters. Did everybody watch Supernatural? I, oh, okay, cool. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so, so you don't really need, really need to know a whole lot about the show. <laughs> so there are these, secret societies of learned people who engage in the supernatural and, and because there's the supernatural, it veers into a lot of religion. So there are the men of letters who are like the American secret society. There was a Nazi Germany version and then there was a Jewish version. And the folks in the Jewish version created a golem and this guy the grandson of one of the people who created the golem inherited the golem. And one of the best moments of this, of this show, and I was like, oh, I gotta talk about this in the panel, um, was he's like, I don't know how I'm supposed to work this thing. I had a bar mitzvah when I was 13 and I don't know anything else. <laughs> and and I, I, that just so endeared me um, because I think sometimes we even, we often think, well, you know, if you're gonna have the, the person who's the holy person, who's just like maybe the random holy person, sort of reluctantly elected to be the holy person, that they're gonna know everything anyway because everybody knows every single thing about their faith, right? I don't speak Arabic. Most Muslims in the world don't speak Arabic and they especially don't speak classical Arabic, which is what the Quran was written in. 
So well, where I can understand somebody from Syria if they are asking me where the bathroom is. Solid. If I read the Quran, first of all, I can't read it. Um, I, I just, I don't know everything. Um, and I think very often we ask, we, we expect people to be those experts when we don't know. So rather than do that, if you're going to do that, enjoy doing that and enjoy the answer of, I don't know, my grandparents can tell you more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, we didn't really feel comfortable talking about that in our house. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I um, asked, and my parents were like, when you're older, but we never got around to it. Um, you were mentioning, Leo was mentioning tokenism as well. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. As a way that this happens. Uh, in, oh, sorry, I'm which back. <laughs> sorry. No, just in, in the way, yeah, in the way that, like, um, making somebody the repository of all, like, the every man kind of role yeah, is yeah, a form of the, tokenizing. The, yeah, yeah. It's the way that, you know, you treat any given person from a particular background, like one of their particular backgrounds, as just that, and, and obviously they're the go-to person because it's necessary for the plot of the show, or, yeah. 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 You, you had your hand up. Yeah. Um, I had a question during the whole, can you tell if they got it right aspect. Um, have you seen Magicians? Has anybody here watched Magicians? I've watched, like, half a... Yeah. I saw a little bit of it. Okay. I've only read the first one, so I'm not sure about the second two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was curious to, like, contrast Supernatural, which is definitely comedy slash horror, mm -hmm. and that awesome, weird sort of mix that only they seem to be able to pull off. And then you have The Magicians, which ends up being this super serious drama and definitely has religious aspects to it. Um, for those that aren't familiar with magicians, what it runs down to is they have um, one of the main characters who's in, my first impression would be to say cult, but mm -hmm. it's not a cult. Um, they're, they're going on a search for their own personal deity and trying to connect with her and gain magic power through that. Um, and not to get in spoilers, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, spoilers. are there clues to tell when somebody gets it right? Like on the on the supernatural side, it's yeah, not not everybody knows everything about their identity or yeah. what people identify them as. And then on the other side, the magicians had a really interesting take on it, as far as magical people, certain magical people actually have connections to gods, and so most of the explanation of high priests and shamans, and or it feels like an explanation for that um, in the past, if you want to go back and reread through the secret history of what we actually hmm. see, I'm just rambling. Yeah. <laughs> so how can you tell if they got it right? Yeah, like are there clues to see if some media is more accurate than others. That would be mm. Actually, I have a, a like sort of an ancillary question that I want to know, which is like, um, like what kinds of getting it right are there? Like exacting, historically based, correct everything, mm -hmm. or the like the real lived reality of people in religion who you know. 
I don't know, you know, um, that kind of thing. There seems like there's a bunch of ways to get it right or yeah. wrong. I think I'm more interested mm-hmm. in the like personal reality of it. Not everybody yeah. knows their religion and does it feel like that person has faith or is this just a plot mm-hmm. If um if everybody in a particular setting or in this particular religion they're talking about does the exact same thing and nobody else thinks any differently um, internally especially then they're probably not getting it right and they're just stereotyping okay. that would be my yeah. first gut reaction right. um, even if you're talking about a religion where everybody is supposed to act and behave the same way right it's, it's impossible. So anytime you see if you what looks to you be to be a stereotype by any other name, right. so or if you could if you could take, uh, could swap out the religion for some other group, and you end up with all such and such do this, and you know that to be untrue, then they probably aren't necessarily getting it right. Um, and then I think there are times when you can deliberately get it wrong. Um, and as long as you're not portraying an expert in anything, I think it's okay to get things intentionally wrong. Um, yeah, does anybody? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I guess just further on that point, like, you know, I'd, if you can spot any things about a, a particular group of people like are they there as fodder for humor or to be adversarial right mm-hmm. and this is like unifying among them anything that's really universal among an entire people is wrong <laughs> I, I mean un- unless they're literally a hive mind of robots or something you know and, and even yeah. that questionable <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. somebody's got to break out you just know it somebody's just waiting to snap yeah. in the board or anywhere and yeah like don't don't let them just be targets for a particular thing or yeah yeah anything that tries to unify too strongly because people are complex and have very different situations and so their interpretations of whatever they've been enculturated with or have adopted is going to vary greatly. Yep. Yeah. If you're, I'm not even, probably just working that, yeah. So, um, say that you've chosen a religion that you kind of want to emulate in your fictional setting uh, but you know that that religion is, in the real world, a historically marginalized or oppressed mm-hmm. Native American religions yeah. that come mm-hmm. to the mind line immediately. Um, are there? I guess this is where you got to talk to people. But my question is, what no what no go zones do you need to worry about? Like, this is not something that I should mess with at all fictionally. This particular aspect of, of something, uh, what will really, really hurt people if I if I mess around too much with mm-hmm. is there a, I guess like I said I guess that's where you just have to go talk to people but there there yeah. are there are things that are just taboo um, and that's a that's a weird word but they 
but they it comes from the things which go unsaid and thank you sometimes sometimes they go unsaid because it's considered to be very bad luck to bring it up or because it's an insular idea that belongs to the community and and that's where it should stay um i i have a friend uh uh, who's Ojibwe, and we've talked about various uh, things and everything. But she said, you know, what you think, what you think Indian religion looks like, is what you're seeing. But you don't see actual, like our actual faith. You don't see it um, because it happens in these spaces, and you're not in them, you know. Um, so, you know, so taking into account the things that truly are meant to be like, you know, like the sanctum sanctorum, like, no, you don't need to go there. You don't need to make up whatever you think is in it or anything like that. Um, talking to people helps. Mm -hmm. It does. There's a, a really great movie from the late 70s, early 80s called The Messenger. And it's actually about um, the, the Prophet Muhammad returning um, to Mecca. You never, ever, ever see the Prophet. Mm. Um, and in fact, when there are characters talking to him, they're talking to the screen. They're breaking the, the fourth wall and talking mm. to you. Um, and the director, who's not a Muslim, and there are actually two versions of the film. There's a, they, they replace the entire cast with Arabic speakers, but there is an, there's an English version with English speakers, and some of them are also Arabs. Um, it's a really fun movie. I think Anthony Quinn's in it. It's got some big names. And one of the reasons why you don't hear about this film, it's a really great film, is that, of course, people got upset because they thought that the prophet was actually, they were depicting the prophet and people got killed. So, um, but it was on Amazon for a while. Um, it's worth watching because they, he, the director took something that culturally in Islam you shouldn't do, although there are people who would argue that it's not a big deal because you can find plenty of pictures of the prophet in medieval literature and art. Um, he took this, this taboo and, and made it a really fabulous artistic piece. So when other characters are talking, supposed to be talking to the prophet, and they're talking to you, the viewer, in a sense, there, there's something that, that very subtly speaks to the universality of Islam, whether or not he meant to do that, and whether or not the audience really picks up on that. As a, as a Muslim watching this film, I was just like, yeah. And you as a vessel yeah. for a sacred, like now I'm super thinking it hurts. But, um, but yeah, like if addressing the prophet is addressing you, what is that? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and two, if, if something is too outside of your own experience, there are definitely plenty of things that you don't need to be trying to depict. I actually tangentially think offhand, I think of uh, Lindsay Ellis, who does film reviews and stuff, film critiques, yeah. and, and she did a pretty long episode about uh, Mel Brooks and Blazing Saddles. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things that she talked about is how he said that, you know, there's n-words so much in that film right and a lot of other things but one thing that he refused to depict was actually any black people being hanged 
because that like that kind of violence against this particular people is not for him to show. He like he's 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 light skinned Jewish man, and that is not for him to depict. You know, and and that's whatever else he's done. That's one thing where he he understood his limitations and said like this isn't for me. To, this isn't something for me to show or tell or. That's a really good yeah. example. Yeah, know your limitations as far as like what you have the energy and the access to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I find that going into a project or, or incorporating your ignorance into something um, can actually be a beautiful thing. Like um, if you are transparent, I don't, know, I don't know shit about this. If your characters don't know anything about this and they're looking at it, that's a neat perspective if they encounter something um, and they don't understand it. Like, I would love to play that. <laughs> um, characters who, who develop an understanding about, um, about their faith. Like, I, that's one thing I'd really love to see in, in games to give people, you know, a lot of times we see that characters start out believing one thing and then they pretty much believe that the entire time. So that's their that's just their path and when you think about it like in life like I, I I'm first of all I'm a convert um, I don't have a Muslim name my name is Julia um, I my faith is very different definitely different than it was a year ago um, and 10 years ago and when I first learned about Islam I had ideas about it that I you know that every once in a while I'm like gee I always thought that that I'm not supposed to do that but really I'm not um, and, and for me, like when I find out this new thing about my faith, like I get really excited. And that's something that you could give characters, your players, something to get excited about, like to, to discover something, to find, to give them a chance to sort of branch out. And in that way, you don't actually need to know about a particular faith. You can give them enough seeds. You can give them, if you're making up your own faith, you can give them a, a pocket of seeds and let their characters sort of grow into that and develop their own mythology in a sense or just how they their own interpretation which is what happens in religion anyway you can also put them in a moral conflict and then say so how does your religion handle this mm-hmm. which makes them um twist that part of the theology that maybe they haven't considered before but they're like oh right i i would have a feeling a thing about this uh oh, what is it yeah or oh i was just thinking me one thing that I think is key is actually make sure that what you're depicting is not something that is fully understood. Like, because that's not a thing. There is no, like, universally, you know, so many, so, many, so, much, so often in games and fantasy fiction and whatnot, you know all the details of this really, you have, like, a whole hierarchy of, of deities and other beings and you have very specific rules and whatnot and 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 often it's just it's not really like that and in particular if you're just encountering people that are you know happen to be involved in this particular faith or whatever like they're not going to have all that there's no specific script that is universal um, Nor are they going to so, tell you all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. this yeah. isn't Skyrim. You don't walk up to people <laughs> and they load you down with with uh, unasked for information. Quite honestly, 
Um, <laughs> no, I don't want to hear about your past with the narrow and all the things. Yeah. So because everybody's been hitting me with narrow. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think we have to wrap up. Is there like one quick question? Anybody has a question? Yes. Quick <laughs> one would be um, if we are looking, if any of us were looking to like expand our knowledge of religion in general, crash course or a book mm -hmm. that would be a crash course. There's just a lot of really good documentaries out there. Yeah. Yeah. Also, library. Library. Uh, or find a book. Find books. Uh, you can look at in old books and contemporary books of where people are talking about their own faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, autobiographies and memoirs and things too. Yep. And Thanks. then of course primary sources. Yeah. Okay. Primary sources. Yay. The historian puts in a plug. It's like people talk about how they fix yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you.